Money FM 89.3. Best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Market View, good morning. Andrea Heng with you on Your Money on this final day of 2021. Asian markets are muted this gloomy Friday. Nikkei is currently down 0.4%. Kospi down 0.5%. ASX down 0.6%. That order was not intentional, I promise you. Only the STI is charging ahead. It's up 0.1%. But analysts say shares may get a boost from the surge seen in US-listed Chinese equities. Equities, more on that in a bit. Australian stocks slipped, but contracts for Hong Kong pointed higher earlier. Both markets will shut early today, while Japan is among a number closed all day ahead of the new year. Overnight in the US, stocks did fall. The Dow Jones Industrial Average shed 0.3%. The S&P 500 dipped 0.3%, and the Nasdaq Composite lost 0.2%. Also lower were the jobless claims from last week. There were no major reactions to the data out last night. One would think that Santa Claus is done for the year, but surprise, surprise, US-listed Chinese stocks posted their biggest one-day surge since 2008. After a five-day slump, Chinese companies listed in the US rebounded as investors piled back into stocks hurt by Beijing's crackdown this year. The Nasdaq Golden Dragon China Index rallied 9.4%, its largest climb since 2008. EV maker Neo and Tencent Music Music Entertainment were among some of the best performers on Thursday, climbing 15% each. Alibaba Group rose 9.7%, while Tal Education Group advanced 15%. So as we end a tumultuous 2021, what lies ahead for 2022 and beyond? Well, Bloomberg Economics says the world economy is expected to average annual growth of around 3.2% in the decade ahead, slightly below the average of 3.5% in the period from 2010 to 2019. China will still outperform, though with the growth on a slowing trajectory as debt, demographics and reduced catch-up space drag. Advanced economies burdened with ageing populations are on a slowing path, with growth in the next decade expected to average 1.6%. Let's end the year with some recaps and some look-aheads, shall we? Ryan, Ryan Huang sorry, will help me with that. Good morning, Ryan. Morning, Andrea. How are you this morning? It's a bit gloomy outside. Oh, I'm looking forward to the weekend, so all good. All good, I am too. So let's uh, take a look at the overall big market recap headlines uh, today. I thought we'd do it a bit nice and different today. Uh, obviously, the China crackdown was one of the biggest headlines to dominate the markets this year. The Chinese government stepped up its fierce attack against the country's technology companies in the first half of 2021. More than $1 trillion was wiped off the collective market cap of some of the world's largest internet groups. Uh, we mentioned Tencent, a gaming and social media giant, and Alibaba, China's e-commerce powerhouse. The Common Prosperity Drive targeted sectors ranging from real estate and education to technology and entertainment. Analysts and investors found themselves repeatedly asking, when will it stop? The answer came in August when the Communist Party issued a five-year blueprint aimed at reshaping China's tech industry and the abrasive changes will continue well into 2022. So Ryan, in your words, how did it start and who were the top targets of this crackdown this year? Yeah, it really started quite some time ago when you think about how things have unfolded, right? With Xi Jinping trying to 
make reforms in China because of how things were being run for a long time, especially with the crackdown on corruption. That was a big one. And then it led to crackdowns on other parts of the business sectors. So we are seeing that playing out as we see more regulations catching up with some of the new innovations or some of the um, ways that it's been not been um, updated to their liking. So that is seeing a lot of uncertainty around the regulatory outlook, for example, in technology. And that's been one of the big segments um, that's been under pressure. We've talked about how the likes of Tencent, Alibaba, all these um, companies in this particular sector have been so sensitive to headlines because of the government's concern around things like national security, data privacy, and how these companies collect data on their massive platforms. And just to give you an example, right, with the right healing firm Didi Global, they've been concerned with how Didi Global collects data of many of the passengers Mm -hmm. from point A to point B, where they travel, when they travel, and they could be concerned about how this um, data could fall in the wrong hands Mm -hmm. if people know when government officials travel or some of the key important personnel know, have their whereabouts known and their routines known, it could pose a problem. So there is that valid point there that these need to be managed properly. So that's why we've got some regulations changing in those sectors. The real estate sector as well has been under pressure since sometime back in August 2020. We had Beijing rolling out the three red lines policy to, in a word, or in a line, make sure things don't get out of control because housing prices have been running up for quite some time, but Mm. not really on solid fundamentals because of a lot of um, building of units, apartments, sometimes just building ahead of demand, so much so that developers have been borrowing, over-borrowing too too much. And they've been concerned about that. And that's been seeing a bit of a clamp down. Um, And that's actually seen a few casualties already. The likes of Sincere Property Group, one of them under pressure for um, quite some time. Finally, you had CDL having to offload its stake in that. And you've had now Evergrande and many other Chinese property players still suffering from the uh, cash flow issues right now and having trouble paying back their liabilities, especially their bonds. So that's one, real estate, technology, and even the likes of the education sector, the private teaching sector. That's interesting because it really took a lot of people by surprise. Out of the blue, it was just not encouraged anymore for people or parents to pay extra for private tuition uh, because it was deemed a luxury or unfair. And that's one of the tenets of what China has been trying to push, Mm. a level playing field for everyone, regardless of your income level. So that's something they've been clamping down on. And in turn, the industry has seen quite a huge slump. So that has upended the industry that's worth around $120 billion. So the likes of new oriental education and technology, the likes of TEL, those have been among the big casualties in that sector. Yeah, common prosperity was the theme of the year in China. Um, I believe the government did drop some hints or already started taking action against some other sectors. Who's next in 2022? Well, that's a very tough question because it's um, really gazing into a big crystal ball where there are so many possibilities. Uh, So we've seen the possibility of the cosmetic sector under Mm. crackdown. That's been one that 
has been on the radar. We've also interestingly seen tattoos as one of the potential targets as well. Mm. And this is on the latest um, headlines where the football team in China, the national team, has been told to remove any existing tattoos and banned from getting any new ones. So there is also this image that they are trying to mm. nurture around what people can digest or should digest, what type of citizen you should grow up to be. And now tattoos are frowned upon. And also by extension, how the young are growing up, what type of environment, what type of culture they should be um, grow up in. And that has seen the clampdown in the video game industry where mm-hmm. the young are now under curfew in terms of how much they play how many hours they yeah. can play. So that's been something they've been trying to clamp down on. So it's really a tough one to say who is next. It seems like anyone could be next. Yeah, it's really an open-ended question and it's, uh, like you said, a very big crystal ball. Something else that China is uh, starting to pay attention and having a stake in is the metaverse and that's our second recap for the year. There are lots of ways, of course, to approach the metaverse conversion but at its core, you can think of the metaverse as a new generation of the internet that bridges the gap between the physical and virtual world. The metaverse is becoming a lucrative industry. We've reported on this over the last few months. According to the Grayscale Report, the market opportunity for bringing Metaverse to life may be worth over $1 trillion in annual revenue. Aside from software, cryptos, and obviously companies hopping into the Metaverse, I remember uh, Michelle was talking about fashion house Balenciaga. Uh, creating a special metaverse wardrobe. Uh, There's also a slew of hardware companies to invest in that are literally building the infrastructure on planet Earth that the metaverse needs to expand. Um, Based on your observations, Ryan, what was... Or what were the biggest metaverse plays of 2021? Yeah, it's becoming quite a trend. I remember the days of the dot-com bubble and any company that has something to do with tech or the, the word dot-com in the name would really do well. Mm. And it seems to be you know, playing out in some parallel fashion here because in the recent news flow, you've got more companies jumping into the news for exploring Metaverse-related opportunities. Just last night, Allset International, which is listed on the Catalyst Board here in Singapore, uh, they are the latest to say they will incubate and invest in such projects. And it's, this includes a partnership with Happy Cafe, where space will be set aside for customers to enter virtual reality rooms or games. They also want to launch NFTs. So you've got a very um, big trend growing that's just playing out in Singapore and the rest of the world. So if you look at the biggest play so far this year, of course, right at the top of this is Facebook, which changed their name to Meta. Mm. So that's a big one because it's already ha- has its um, fingers in many pies, many parts of the pie with Instagram, with uh, WhatsApp. It's also got the Oculus virtual reality headset thing yep. going on. So it's all pretty much setting up to become an ecosystem for people to be plugged in. And I think to a certain extent, we are already plugged in into the Facebook universe. Mm. It's just going to be in a more, um, I guess, developed yeah. representation of a new internet where you can see an avatar. So it's like walking through a computer game. You can see other people in the form of whatever form they want. Mm. And then you can dress up 
in things that maybe you buy virtually. So that's why you've got the likes of Nike just setting up shop yep. in the uh, metaverse as well and people buying up virtual land. And this is a big one. A lot of people going to Sandbox, Decentraland, mm. to try to rip it or make it big time by being the first mover advantage, um, being the first movers in these um, spaces. And it has worked to some extent. Um, the likes of Snoop Dogg has bought <laughs> yeah. plots in sandbox and someone bought the plot next to him and made $500,000. Wow. So by proximity already, people are just trying to you know, bet on or speculate on what might be the next big thing. But uh, it is quite a well, early days and very difficult to chart in this new um, world of the metaverse. And there will be many winners and losers as well. For so that sure, is yeah. the, um, I guess, warning to uh, take heed. I wonder how much if if Obama had bought a plot of uh, land in the metaverse in Decentraland or something like that. I wonder how much the plot next to his hmm. will cost. Uh, property prices in the metaverse in Decentraland specifically were through the roof uh, this year. That made the headlines as well. Um, one country where the metaverse has found a lot of success is South Korea. Interestingly, uh, six of the nation's ten best performing stocks in 2021 are linked to the virtual universe or non-fungible tokens. Your thoughts on this, Ryan? Yeah, I guess it's not a surprise, right? When you think about South Korea and their um, dominance in esports, they already have such a strong culture there. It's almost a natural extension, right? They've got professional teams where young kids are just taking part in tournaments and training the entire day day after day. So this is already part of their culture. So no surprises, we are seeing some of the um, best performing stocks in South Korea linked to the metaverse. And this includes the likes of We Made Max, which has surged 1,500%. So they're trying to become a blockchain game developer. And you've got the likes of virtual effects creator Giant Step they have soared over 1,200% since their listing in March. So people just trying to jump on what might be the next big thing. So the opportunities are almost limitless in the metaverse. Indeed. In November, we made Max surge by the daily limit after it announced a stock swap to make Mirfor's developer, we made Next Co. It's a wholly owned unit. The company now has a market cap of about $615 million. Where do you think the metaverse place will go in 2022? What, what's your outlook? Well, you could play in a few fashions, right? When you think about the gold rush back in the day when people were just going for gold. But mm. it came a time when it was so hard to find gold and the people actually made money. Whether people were sending the shovels, the yeah. denim jeans. To some extent, maybe this could play out the same way when you have the guys behind the scenes, those setting up the software, the cloud providers, um, the infrastructure providers, those who help to make the NFT or the metaverse world happen. So not a direct play, but the indirect proxies. So that could be interesting to watch. And maybe that could mean you know, the likes of the technology names we've been talking about for quite some time will still be quite in demand. So something to look out for in 2022. Indeed. Moving on to IPOs now in Asia specifically. Some of this year's Asia-Pacific IPOs have seen a sharp reversal in their fortunes since their strong market debuts. At the top of this list is China's short video company 
and TikTok rival Kwai Show, which more than doubled from its issue price during its February debut. The stock has since fallen 77%. Other stocks that have faltered after a strong debut include Indonesian e-commerce platform Bukalapak and China's JD Logistics. What is the reason behind this phenomenon, Ryan, and can they rebound in 2022? I guess it's partly to do with some of the pressure coming through from China. The regulatory uncertainty just putting a bit of um, a cloud over the outlook for the likes of Show, the likes of um, Tencent. So many of these tech companies have seen a bit of a spillover effect in terms of jitters. Uh, it's worth noting though, overnight they did bounce back quite strongly. So something that could be maybe changing in terms of the sentiment, but we'll see how long that will last. Um, so that's uh, something to watch out for in 2022. A couple of drivers for uh, possibly more IPOs and that includes the likes of how the startup scene in the region has been growing quite strongly. Mm. And when you reach a stage where they are more developed, many of the investors want to exit. And the usual exit is to go for a listing. And with the SPAC frameworks just being unfolded across the region, we've got mm. Singapore right, right now, two of them getting the green light, Vertex Holdings from Tomasic and Tekohau Capital from Europe. They are among the front runners to have a SPAC listing in Singapore and in Hong Kong, that is also getting underway. So you have more options for these um, startups to go public right now. And looking at how things have fared for some of the recent IPOs, the big one just yesterday, Sense Time Group, the Chinese AI firm, mm. they had a spectacular day one pop as much as 23% in Hong Kong before ending 7.3% higher. So there is appetite for some of these um, IPOs, it looks like. So maybe something that will continue uh, for the early part of next year. And I also think in the IPO market, whether or not specs will be the way to go as, it starts to, as it's starting to lose favour, especially in the second half of the year. We'll see how that fares uh, in 2022. Another cloud looming over the market conditions next year. Inflation, that was a big headline uh, in 2021, or at least everyone was waiting with bated breath throughout the year for a decision by the Feds on interest rate hikes. Until finally, the US Feds said it would end its pandemic-era bond purchases in March and pave the way for three quarter-percentage-point interest rate hikes by the end of 2022. Uh, here in Singapore, November headline prices rose by their fastest pace in nearly nine years. Headline inflation rose by 3.8%, uh, and that exceeded economists' forecast of 3.3% and 3.2% in October. That is the most it has risen since February 2020. The team. Just a quick roundup, Ryan. What's the overall picture going to look like in 2022 with this inflation and interest rate hikes in mind? And you know, what will the investors flock to? Yeah, by most accounts, it looks like it's going to be staying for at least the first part of 2022. So you are looking at some pressures coming through from the supply chain disruptions. No sign of that fading yet. And that has an impact on the prices of commodities. Uh, that has been going up. In fact, the recent headlines in Singapore is pointing to electricity prices going up for the first three months of 2022 at least. So that is something to digest as we see prices go up across the board in many things, including wages. So businesses will have to pay more mm. and business costs will go up for various reasons. And that is uh, something that will feed into inflation expectations as well. So already the Fed 
has been penciling in three rate hikes and it's just going to be a question of um, how soon the other central banks will take the lead from the Fed, how soon they will also tighten policy uh, because they typically will move by some extension in lockstep because they don't want to be diverging for too long. Otherwise, their currencies will be too um, uncompetitive. So looking at where we are right now, uh, that is the stage that's being set up for 2022. Um, high inflation for the foreseeable near future. I hope everyone gets uh, a bit of an angpao from their employers in 2022 to at least absorb that inflation that's coming next year. Uh, one more big story that, of course, we cannot, absolutely cannot not talk about is crypto. 2021 was a banner year for cryptocurrency with digital tokens like Bitcoin and Dogecoin hitting all-time highs and making millionaires of investors. The overall crypto market briefly surpassed $3 trillion in value and the growing popularity of digital assets like NFTs or non-fungible tokens for those not in the know helped bring the once-niche technology to the mainstream. Bitcoin and Ethereum held their positions as the top two currencies this year. Solana, USD Coin, Terra and Avalanche all made it into the top 10. What is your outlook for 2022? Well, first, what's your recap of crypto markets for 2021? What were the stars for the year for you? Mm. It's been a mixed bag for crypto. You've got a slew of good news, some bad news. And among the good news, or at least what might drive its future, is how... Um, we had the first country to make it legal tender in the form of El Salvador. That's right. So that has been pitched as one way to make overseas transactions or remittances cheaper. So that has been now now passed as law that Bitcoin can be used as payment for goods and taxes in El Salvador. And that, for now, is still quite controversial because um, not everyone has access to these platforms in Mm. El Salvador. So something that is playing out and maybe we could see more uh, taking the lead from El Salvador. And looking at the not-so-good news, China just clamping down further again on cryptocurrency. Mm. Actually, banning it again because uh, they previously kind of discouraged it but then now this year they outright just slammed it down so they have made it even clearer that anything to do with crypto is not encouraged or permitted so you have seen that as a potential headwind but then what happens is people just go elsewhere so all the miners have migrated elsewhere so that becomes business as usual for some of the Bitcoin mining activities to some extent so we are looking also at more accessibility for Bitcoin speculators and investors because ETFs catering to this part of segment have um, become more mainstream. So Mm. we saw the first US futures-based Bitcoin ETF being launched. And I think we are likely to see similar ones being launched across the world as uh, demand or rather supply meets demand. So a lot more demand uh, expected when you see news around NFTs, around metaverses. A lot of this um, structure, these structures are powered by Ethereum, Ether, cryptocurrencies. So that means more demand and that will just support these um, cryptocurrency prices. 
That's an excellent roundup. I didn't need. I don't even need to ask you about your outlook anymore. That's a great one. Uh, one final story uh, before we end the segment today. Uh, Binance. We've seen Binance exit Singapore, entering the UAE, and now it's trying to woo France. What is going on here? What does it want to do there, and will it succeed? I am looking at the headlines coming out from France, and it says Binance is trying to launch a 100 million euro initiative in France to develop its crypto and blockchain industry. So it's trying to build an ecosystem of sorts there. And perhaps no surprise when you think about how France fintech has been up and coming. So it's called Objective Moon and Binance will establish an R&D office there and also an incubator program for startups and training programs. So pretty much trying to grow the ecosystem mm. to help create jobs and maybe make itself more welcome in France and the rest of the region. So it looks like a, a long-term play for Binance in France. Yeah, Binance is ending the year with a bit of a bang in the headlines at least. Thank you very much, Ryan Huang, for a wonderful roundup. I wish you a very, very happy new year. Happy new year, Andra. Yeah, all the good wealth and good health for you. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.